Hello everybody, Hi Hopes here, and today I have a fantastic conversation for you guys. I got together with Tim Stifflard, he's the product manager of Gamer Safer, which I know you've all heard me talk about before. Fantastic service, we get a little bit more into that, talk about some gaming safety and stuff like that. He's also a huge coffee fan, we'll talk a little bit about that. We kind of really just, you know, cover a gambit. It is a bit of a longer one, and it was one of my uh, earlier ones, it was done before max and shortly after Janie and i had a an audio setting set up incorrectly so there are some uh audio issues with it i do apologize for that <laughs> it was it was way worse i assure you when i first looked at it but thankfully to to stifler for helping with some audio stuff and big shout out thank you to dragon's breath i don't know if i mentioned but he actually has done the last couple episodes for me and has been doing all the editing going forward so big thank you to dragon's breath but let's go ahead and dive right into into it You've activated the beacon, your guiding light to the greatest Minecraft resources out there. As you know from the Void Frogs, it's always fun to talk to people about their handles, you know, how they decide to express themselves. It's the first impression somebody's going to get. But you decided to go a very different route and use your real name for pretty much everything I've seen you, you do. And I'm curious why the choice to use your real name versus a quote-unquote gaming handle. Well, that's a great question. Um, are we recording already? <laughs> yep, yep. I, I just started off from the gig. I just a little conversation. That's <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, so I am me. I've never really been afraid uh, to show who I am. Mm -hmm. uh, I think anonymity online is great. Pseudonymity is great. I'm glad that people have the ability to do that. But um, personally, I just kind of have always taken it as like. Uh, this is who I am, and I put my name on what I do, and if I'm ever wrong, then I want to say I'm wrong. And if I'm ever right, then I want to say I'm right. <laughs> uh, and, uh, yeah, I'm just, I guess I'm I'm just not really um, concerned. The, I guess, kind of the other thing for me, and I, I, again, I think anonymity and pseudonymity and privacy and security, those are critically important things. Mm-hmm. But I grew up in the era of, you know, nothing that you put online is private, right? Yeah. So um, I just have never, ever treated anything that I do online, even in a private DM, as being really a private thing. So, um, you know, by, by putting it as my name and keeping it who I really truly am, it just kind of always holds me accountable that whatever I'm doing, it is me. I cannot back out. I can't say it was someone else. Like it's, it's always just who I am. Helps you set yeah. that bar of ownership. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I can respect that. I like that. Um, so obviously we're here on a, on a Minecraft podcast. So a good question to follow up that with is, how did you get started with Minecraft? Have you always been a gamer? Is that something that you, you were in the trenches with, or is that something you found later on? Yeah, so I actually didn't get my first computer until I was like 18, 19 years old. Okay. I was in college, and uh, my fiance's brother and I, he was my best friend, uh, we were hanging out, and uh, he told me about Minecraft. This was 11... 12 years ago. This was forever ago. Yeah, early early on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Early, early, early days. Uh, before Minecraft multiplayer was really a thing at all. Oh, wow. Um, and, uh, yeah, and so 
he showed it to me and then i went online and there was like the classic version in the browser mm -hmm. i played uh, okay back in the day <laughs> and i got like sucked into that for so long and then i i spent i think it was my last maybe it was like 10 or 15 bucks i think i paid for it uh i spent my last like 10 or 15 dollars buying the game and then i just immediately got addicted and i uh i got sucked into it for so long um uh, yeah, so that's kind of how I got uh, started off in Minecraft, and that was one of the first real games that I stuck with um, long term. That's awesome. That's really cool. That that was your first game. I'm I'm used to like either you've played other games and you were like, yeah, I don't know about this game. I've seen the graphics. It's like, eh, and then you like fall in love as you play. Or somebody's, you know, been a gamer like myself. I grew up, my dad was a PC gamer. So PCs have always been in the house for me. And so when I discovered Minecraft, I was like, yes, I, I'm in. I already know video games. Let's go. This is great. <laughs> so it's a bit of a jump, though, to, to love a game and be really into that. But you're really involved in networks and servers and a lot of the, the behind the scenes of Minecraft. What got you kind of into that aspect? Were you already working in networks and servers? So that was natural or... Oh, no, I think that this probably is uh, a bit of a personal question that I can kind of get into. It's, it's a weird answer, right? So, like, I could say, oh, I just think that Minecraft servers are really cool and there's a lot of experiences that you can have, blah, blah, blah. But, like, if I really think about it, I think that I, I have been drawn to Minecraft servers and multiplayer game servers um, because of personal, my personal story, my life. Right. Mm -hmm. that things in our past can influence us to make decisions that might seem um, meaningless. Right. They might seem like, you know, small decisions, but in reality, they have a big impact on our lives. So when I was a kid, I didn't really have friends. I didn't really have a community. I was in foster care, bouncing around and blah, blah, blah. And, then, you know, like couch surfing for a while before I finally found a home. And you know, like there's a lot of stuff that happened when I was younger. And so I was drawn to communities. And I think that I remember my first Minecraft server was early on in the, like when Minecraft servers were just becoming a thing. Uh, before Skyblock was a thing, I launched my first server. And I think it was probably because I was drawn to this idea of like having communities and having relationships with people that are different and that are global. And uh, some of those same people that I met, you know, 11 years ago when I launched my first server are still playing on my server today. And they're still part of the community. So there's like long stories. It's been awesome to see um, those relationships grow over time. That's awesome. I knew, I knew there were some long-term people in the community. Obviously I'm an active member in your Discord. And I, you know, there's been talk about different servers that have been played on in the past. And I remember somebody saying, like, you mentioned they were the first person on the server, but I didn't realize that you had people all the way from like your first gaming server, well, Minecraft server, still around. That is that is a testament to character, in my opinion. That, you know, you still have the OG original people hanging out, and like I'm still having fun. This dude's still awesome. That's really yeah, cool. I, mean, I don't know if they think I'm awesome or they're just having a good time. Uh, I mean, like there have been people I, I've seen grow up, graduate high school, graduate college. I've seen people that met on a server 
like early, early, early days. Uh, so ran the Tree Crafters server again like 11 years ago, mm-hmm. and there were there was a couple people who met on there who ended up like getting married like uh, all, from the server like they met on the server and then they got married like it's wild it's it's kind of crazy to see um, yeah people just kind of connected and stayed in touch and it's been awesome. That is awesome. Yeah, it's it's amazing to me the the sense of community. It's always weird online, especially today with. A lot of the um oh what's the term when when people think they they know each other better than they really do because you know they're a content creator or they're a public face yeah the parasocial relationship thank you parasocial relationships <laughs> I remember as a kid you know like I said my dad was always had a computer internet was early on in the house I remember the dial up thing like before consoles mom was anti console because dad had a PC I was got his. And we talked about, you know, online safety, privacy, you know, age, sex, location was huge back in the day. And it's like, hey, you know, fudge details or don't answer those kind of questions and stuff. But the idea of of parasocial wasn't a thing. That wasn't a concept. Um, it was like, you know, don't meet strangers online. But like we had uh, we played a lot of first person shooters and my dad met somebody when he was on a business trip. And then eventually we went over there, me and him and we had a big old family like get together. I got to meet him and his kids. And it's crazy to see that evolution, how Internet has brought people together and we can make IRL connections from that online space. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Um, there's definitely some interesting conversations to be had on that topic. I mean, it's, if you think about it, right? Like I was, I think it, I was in like the first 50,000 people to join Twitter, which is one of my crowning achievements. <laughs> um, and, and now I'm like, I'm not even really even using Twitter. I have it automatically posting, but that's a different thing. But the, like, when Twitter first started, phone books were still a thing so like you would once every few months get a phone book that gave you the real name and address of everyone in your city uh and, like you could look up anybody and today you know like we definitely we don't have that you know, oh, no not really a thing anymore <laughs> um but i think that there if i remember like we've kind of always had these types of conversations about parasocial relationships. We just never called them that. Right. Yeah. Um, you know, there was always this idea. I, I mean, I remember when I was younger, like looking at celebrities, you know, you didn't have YouTube stars when I was a kid mm-hmm. uh, cause YouTube didn't exist. Right. So, <laughs> like, <laughs> uh, but we did talk about, you know, celebrity gossip and TMZ and like, Oh man, like why do people care this much? Right. Is kind of, my approach when I was younger yeah. Um, and my family, you know, so like there were always these kinds of discussions, but I think that it's just evolved and we've developed language to be able to have discussions more concisely and clearly than yeah. we did before. That's a good point. I hadn't thought about, I guess, and I grew up without, you know, cable TV or anything like that. So I, I wasn't really exposed to a lot of the, the pop culture aspect. I saw the magazines and stuff, but in, in my circle, nobody followed the celebrity. So I never thought about the fact that for some people, that parasocial relationship to some extent has always existed. To me, it's, it's a new thing with the internet where you're like, people document every moment, but people have been vicariously living through photographers and, gossip magazines i guess in that sense for a long time now 
Yeah, 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 totally. I mean, I remember there was a, a girl in my high school when, um, I can't believe I remember this so well, <laughs> when uh, Chris Kattan left SNL and he was a member of the SNL team. I'm assuming you know what SNL is. Yes. <laughs> and is like an actor slash comedian. And he left, he left SNL. And I remember sitting in Spanish class and she got the news somehow, um, like right before Spanish class or something. And she ran out of the room crying because her favorite actor was leaving SNL. Oh, wow. And I'll never forget that. Like, I was like, wow, like she really, really loves Chris Kattan. <laughs> like, this is really, really intense. Um, you know, and so I, I guess that's it. it is that same sort of thing. I never got it myself because I wasn't allowed to watch TV all the time. Sometimes <laughs> I could, you know, but like there was a limit on it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like some people really definitely had those very strong emotional connections. Yeah, to me, that's just, I, I know that's a common thing for people. I know I'll get frustrated to show, but I, I can't say I've ever been that attached. But for anybody who's who's not stateside, who's like, what in the world SNL is? It's a, a Saturday Night Live, like a comedy show here in the Amer here in the North United States of America, I should say. And, uh, just uh, a lot of like comedians and, and funny skits and stuff like that. That's super popular. I don't know how much, I know some things like McDonald's are everywhere. And then some things I assume are everywhere. It's like, Oh, we don't even have that across the States. <laughs> yep. Yep. So I know you're, you're big in gaming safety and we'll get into a discussion about that. And it's already been touched on a little bit, but I'm curious, how do you define family friendly? Because it's not, when it comes to gaming and, you know, these online spaces, discord and stuff that we hang out, they all have their own rules. Each creator has their own community they're trying to establish, but it's not like video games where there's the ESRB or movies where, you know, there's the film ratings. We just have these loose terms that we use to describe our content. And then hopefully we're all in line on what that means. Yeah. So first off, before I answer your question, I actually think that we are in the same position now where we are, where the video game industry was before their rating system was added, where the movie and TV industries were before their rating systems were added. So like, it has historically happened where, you know, movies, TV, and video games, they were in a similar period of, you know, there's no rating, there's no real set terms, there's no definition. Mm -hmm. And then eventually they were, they were essentially, you know, quote unquote, forced to create these self-regulating rating systems of, you know, M for mature or PG-13 or TV-PG, etc. So I think that we're, we're in a similar position right now where communities, online communities are starting to wake up to the fact that like, oh, like there are laws and regulations being passed around the world which might affect us if we don't come to some clear definitions of what these ratings mean, if we don't come up with something, right? Because um, this is what happened with ESRB, and this is a long answer, but with ESRB, like, they created the ESRB, the industry created the ESRB because they were concerned that laws and regulations were going to be overreaching. And so they were like, you know what, if we can create our own rating system that the governments of the world accept, 
then that's going to be better than if they create their own rating system and then force us to use it because they don't know what our industry is about. Um, so I think that we're probably going to see something similar to that in the next few years. Uh, it, it's, it's going to be discussed more and more for online communities. That said, what is family friendly? Um, you know, I think that uh, understanding that people are different is really important. So this is not just like, it's family friendly in that it is friendly for my family, which might have certain social rules or norms, mm -hmm. um, but it is friendly for any family. It is something that any type of family from any background, religion, race, economic uh, class, whatever, any family can join and watch and enjoy. And that means staying away from language that might be uh, seen negatively in a passionate negative way. Uh, it means staying away from topics that are controversial and heated. Um, it means staying away from uh, things that are uh, taboo. Even if personally, like for me, I personally don't mind swearing in real life. And there are taboo topics that I will talk about. And there are things that I, you know, here at my home don't bother me at all. But that does not mean that they are okay for the general family type of person out there. So I'm not going to subject other people to that. So that's to me what family friendly is about. I, I want to give a, a, a quick example. There are certain words that we would consider in the U.S. as being swear words. Okay. You might be able to imagine what those are. <laughs> yeah. But if, if you go to Australia or you go to the UK, those some of those swear words that we have in the US are not considered swear words in those other countries. Okay. Mm -hmm. uh, they're just part of your everyday words that even kids use. Right. Now, to me, uh, what that means, right, is that the people in those countries, if they have an audience of Americans, right, of people in the US, to be family friendly, they need to restrict their language themselves. They have to do it themselves to restrict their language to be family friendly for Americans. And now that might sound like kind of controversial and say like, well, you can't censor me, you know, don't tell me how I can talk <laughs> for me. So it needs to be comfortable for you. But that's, that goes against what family friendly is. The, the, the point of family friendly is that you are limiting yourself to say something that makes other family other families comfortable. If your only audience is your family, then sure, say whatever your family wants. But if you have a bigger audience than just your family, then you need to consider that and uh, you know cater your language uh, to and your topics of conversation to fit what they might be interested in hearing. Or comfortable here. That's a, a great answer and raises a couple of different questions for me. I hadn't thought about to that extent. So I'm, I'm going to get back to the what you were talking about with the, the rating system being formed by the community, so to speak, whether it's TV, radio community, the gaming community, or what we have today. But before we get to that, um, you mentioned staying informed, you know, like the UK, the Australians, they might have terms that 
for us are considered, no, that's not public, polite conversation. Right. How would you say in today's day and age, you know, you can, I've got listeners from all across the globe. I don't know. I can't imagine bigger podcasts or content creators, the, the diversity that they're their charts and stuff might show them for viewer statistics. How is the average person, would you say, going to make sure that they are staying culturally aware and relevant? I mean, like, as you, I'm sure, have seen plenty, and like I was talking with Janie, a lot of people, even here in the States, are very ignorant. Some are ignorant, some are arrogant, and that's a whole other discussion. But just the, the culture density, idiocy, I'm not sure how to, but I think you understand what I'm, what I'm asking. I think so. Yeah. So, I mean, some people, it's not just ignorance or arrogance, it's belligerence. Yeah. Some people choose specifically to go against cultural acceptance. Yeah. They, they want to be controversial. They want to grate uh, against others. Okay. So I, I think that I understand, you know, where your question is coming from. And, and, you know, to answer that, it's like, so I work for a company called Gamer Safer. Yep. Okay. And um, th there's a specific reason why we put safer on the end. Okay. It's not gamer safe. It's gamer safer. Uh, and the, the things that we build, we don't tell people you will be safe if you do X, Y, and Z, right? What we want to do is improve safety. We want to make things safer, okay? We want to reduce the risks of um, harms, right? But we aren't going to solve harms. Harms are going to exist, okay? So that that same mindset, all right, of like things are going to be negative sometimes. That same mindset is here with your question. You are absolutely, without any doubt, going to make a mistake and offend somebody. It's going to happen, right? You're going to say something that's insensitive. You're going to be ignorant. And I don't mean that in a rude way. I mean that in a you don't have the knowledge way, right? That's yeah. what ignorance means. I am going to be ignorant sometimes. I'm going to say things that are rude, that are controversial, that are offensive. And I'm not intending to, right? But it's by the nature of who I am as an individual with limited experience. So because of that, I, I'm not going to be able to be perfectly PG. I'm not going to be able to be perfectly family friendly, right? But what I can be is quick to apologize and quick to correct myself. Um, as an example, uh, I have a friend who is uh, transgender and they, um, they uh, uh, transitioned uh, from uh, female to uh, gender fluid. Okay. Mm -hmm. And for a while, it was really, it was difficult for me to remember to not call them her. I just kept forgetting, uh, it, because I had known them for years. Yeah. Um, when I did that, I was like, I'm so, 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 so sorry. And they said, it's okay. <laughs> it's all right. They weren't mad at me, right? Like, I just apologized. I was quick to apologize and then work on it to become better. I think that, that is the key. And this is actually where, you know, being family friendly is, this is the key, is being able to apologize quickly and fix the problem if, you've, if you have a problem, right? Um, if you aren't going to apologize, if you are not quick to apologize, to acknowledge when you make a mistake or you do something wrong, not just a mistake, when you do something wrong, if you're not quick to do that, 
then yeah, you're not in the vein of family friendly. Uh, you are in the vein of your definition of family friendly for your family, right? Which is different, and I already explained all of that. Yeah, no, that makes that makes sense. Right? We're, I'm taking away from that is ownership and adaptability. Take ownership for the mistake, learn from it, and then take the steps to to correct and change. Learn from that information and don't go from being ignorant, unaware to being arrogant and going, well, I don't care. Yeah, I mean, there's like there's this common. Unfortunately, it's too common. This like argument of like, well, everybody's wanting me to, you know, act a certain way or to say certain things or use certain words. And it's like, hold on. You know, you don't have to be perfect today. Mm. You're not going to be perfect ever. Just be willing to be corrected. That's it. Just be willing to say i'm sorry that's all you have to do nobody is going to like destroy you or cancel you for using the wrong pronoun or for saying something you know that's uh, racially insensitive you know unless it's like super terrible nobody's going to cancel you for that if you are quick to apologize and recognize where you went wrong oh i think that makes sense and then i want to go back to you brought up the the rating system now i'm not super familiar with tv radio the gaming industry in the early days or anything of that nature. So maybe I'm in my mind mistaken in the size of those things, but it seems to me like the biggest difference between those groups and what we have today is partial scale and partial diversity. And what I mean by that is Hollywood is, is Hollywood, you know, pretty 90, whatever the percentage of movies is come from, you know, Bollywood and Hollywood, two primary locations with, occasional independent studios or whatever same thing with the gaming you know in the beginning at least it was a few companies that really produced the majority of that industry and so it'd be fairly easy for you know google amazon apple or whatever obviously those aren't you know gaming necessarily or movie companies but they could get together and you know have their their conference but how do you get the online creator collective internationally do you think there's gonna be like an association like you know somebody like maria and rodrigo decide hey this is an issue we're gonna start something and hopefully you know that becomes the standard everybody adapts and we'll give you the seal of approval is there how does somebody regulate and say like yeah this content matches this rating no we need a if it's not a government enforced it's a good question um i think that it has to come from like the industry executives okay so you have like uh, a group of people, nonprofits, or you know, companies like my own, Gamer Safer, with Maria and Rodrigo. Uh, but then you have other organizations, you know, that also kind of are they they kick these conversations off. And with like online communities, they start to get more and more presence in front of Congress, you know, in front of Parliament, in front of lawmakers globally, and they start to realize. Oh, we're getting a lot of pressure here. Okay. Uh, so naturally, they're going to have conversations with each other. And then over time, it hopefully somebody figures out, hey, we need to, you know, create a group that crosses between competitors and uh, we work to resolve these issues together, right? So like ESRB, for example, was between competitors. There were there were all of these industry pros and competition and everything. And they said, we're getting way too much government scrutiny uh, right now. So like, let's work across the aisle and try to find a solution here that uh, appeases it. 
Um, your your comment about like the difference, right, uh, between Hollywood, for example, you know, like online communities today. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's there's some relevant. There's some validity to to what you were saying. I think like there there definitely are some differences, but um, I think that it's also important to recognize that the diversity has always been there. We just didn't have it as noticeable, and this is part of language changing over time. We now have the language to be able to properly discuss these topics. Um, but for example, I just looked up while you, while, you, know, you, were, you were talking, mm-hmm. uh, only about 10% of all films are produced in the US. Okay. Yeah, I had so no- like, th- there is a huge percentage of foreign uh, international films that are made. Uh, we just didn't have the same types of conversations uh, before. Uh, back in the 30s, there was uh, a new set of laws that was created. Um, I, I believe it was called the Hayes Laws. I think H-A-Y-S-E. I, I can't quite remember. So mm-hmm. you have to correct me. Um, <laughs> but like before those laws were produced, movies were starting to push into super controversial topics and like showing crazy things like, uh, you know, the the... Uh, for the time, at least, the gore, the nudity, the violence, the topics of conversation in movies were like crazy. And so you can look back and there are movies that were banned after these laws were introduced because they were so intense. And they were international films okay. were from other countries and everything. So long story short, I think that uh, we have, the, again, we have the same types of conversations and same types of challenges. It's just with different language today, better language today to allow us to have the hard conversations and to make decisions hopefully faster and better and more concretely than uh, those other industries. Interesting. Learning a lot today about things I wasn't expecting. I figured a little Minecraft knowledge and game knowledge, but I wasn't expecting that. That's awesome. So essentially what I'm imagining is, you know, like Twitch, Discord, you know, the the companies involved in this sphere, GamerSafe or whoever, come together to make this realization and say, okay, like this is going to be our, our community standards across industry. And then just like you have Twitch and Discord and, you know, YouTube terms of service and all that. It'll be something like that. And then, you know, if, if you don't self-regulate, like YouTube asks you, is this meant for kids? Is this meant for everybody else? If you don't self-select appropriately, then they might decide, okay, your content is, you know, not as visible to the algorithm or banned, or they'll take the steps as a platform to enforce based upon what their group or association has decreed is the appropriate steps to take, well, is what you're imagining. Yes, yes and no. Okay. Yes, uh, I, I, I think that a lot of what you said is right, or like it's thinking in the right direction. Uh, but if you think about movies, okay? Mm-hmm. Okay, so take an R-rated movie. Yeah. Right? That's like, in the U.S., that's like your your most mature type of movie, uh, uh, aside from like X movies, right? Yeah. You have R-rated is the, is the highest that it's going to be in a theater. Yeah. Um, in, that, in that situation, in order to go see an R-rated movie, you have to, you walk physically into the theater you show your physical self your real human being's face you're there physically right yeah and then the the cashier asks you for an id and like you have to prove that you are 18 or older or you are with a parent who is 18 and older uh in order to get in to see that movie um we don't have that with any not any we don't have that with a lot of online large communities yeah 
uh, they have like, are you a, how old are you? Yeah. You self-declare that. Um, if, if in the U.S. you have to be 21 in order to drink alcohol, if you go to a bar and you walk up to the bar and they say, how old are you? And you say, I'm 23, but you're actually 17. And then the cops show up. The bar is in trouble. Yeah. Right. Like the bar is held responsible for not confirming and verifying that you are 21. But online right now, the companies are not in trouble. Okay. They're not in trouble for asking, hey, are you over 21? And then the kid is like, yeah, I am. But they're actually 15. The company is not in trouble for that. Right. We're starting to see that change. Fortnite was just fined over $500 million by the FTC for uh, breaking COPA laws. Oof. So like we're starting to see some of these ramifications against companies for not respecting uh, age verification, privacy laws, and you know parent parental consent laws. Like they're not following these laws. And now companies are starting to get hit by this. So what does all of this mean? I think that what you said and what you described is right, but there's going to be less about self-declaration, right? Mm. It's going to be more verified. It's going okay. to be more, you know, this truly is an adult. And I know it's an adult. I have verified and confirmed it's an adult. That's why I'm allowing them in. That's really where the self-regulation comes in, when companies start to do that sort of thing. That makes a lot more sense. And that seems a lot more practical to me is because I'm sitting there wondering, like, I I have faith in humanity as a whole in a lot of areas. But this this just seems like you're begging for trouble like that. Are you 18 bubble? Like, uh, no, but I'm a hit. Yes, because I'm not that dumb. <laughs> yeah, Canada, Australia, the EU, like there are already laws that have been passed and are starting to be enforced where like, if you are a company and you produce content that is only intended for people older than 18 and somebody under 18 sees your content, then you are fined for that. And it doesn't matter if you are a single individual person, right? Who's uh, you know, whatever, uh, a content creator online who's creating adult content, or if you're a big company or corporation, you can be fined for that. So like when you go on Twitter, if you go on Twitter and you see somebody with a little, like there's this little badge, it'll be like the number 18 that's crossed out. Mm -hmm. If you're under 18, don't follow me. Those are illegal in some countries. Like that is just straight up not allowed in those countries. Uh, but people continue to do it. Awesome. And now you've mentioned Gamer Safer already a little bit, and we've talked a little bit about safety. So I think it's a good time to dive into that. What is Gamer Safer? Uh, great question. So we want to scale safety and privacy for millions of players worldwide. That's our mission. Mm -hmm. um, we create safety tech for multiplayer games to be able to set up um, player verification, parental consent, and uh, yeah, adult authentication. For, for gaming players while still respecting their anonymity and their pseudonymity, okay? So if you want to be known as the high hopes online and you don't want to show your, your, your name or your face publicly, you can do that with GamerSafer, okay? You are still high hopes. Uh, and then GamerSafer helps to uh, actually handle the verification, okay? And then we follow very strict privacy and security laws and uh, standards to be able to protect uh, all of that information. And, and what we do is we tell a company, you know, this person is who they say they are. That way, that company doesn't need to store your information. They don't need to ask you for your personal or contact information. They don't need to ask you to take a picture of your ID or anything like that and then store your pictures there. Like the companies don't need to do that. 
because we've already told the company, yep, this person is who they say they are. Go ahead and give them access to you know whatever it is uh, that they have. So that's a big part of it um, is this uh, identity verification system. Awesome. And can you give us a quick, just brief description of how how does that work? You know, if I'm I've never heard of Gamer Safe, I'm like, oh, well, that sounds great. Or I'm a parent, I'm like, oh, yay, my kid will be safe. How how does that begin? Uh, thank you for asking. Yeah. So say uh, you are a Minecraft server owner. Mm-hmm. So you want to have a Minecraft server community that only allows adults to join for whatever reason, not because you have adult content, but just because you don't like playing with kids. Yeah. Okay. Um, and on your server, uh, you allow your players, again, that you want to be adults, you allow them to have creative permissions, okay? And creative or world edit permissions can be dangerous. If they're given to a hacker or a griefer or a troll, they could completely destroy the server, okay? Mm-hmm. Um, so, like, you want to make sure that those permissions, that access, that creative mode, is only accessible, again, to adults and to people that you trust, okay? So what uh, the Minecraft server can do is it can hook up the GamerSaver plugin, GSOF plugin, and um, when players join, they are required to use our app and the profile that they create in our app to link their GamerSafer profile to the Minecraft server. When they do that link, we look at what is the criteria for the server. The criteria for the server is it has to be an adult and it has to be a real human being with only one account. They can't have alt accounts or bots or things like that, right? Mm -hmm. It has to be an adult. So we check that. And if the player matches those criteria, then we allow them to join the server. We tell the server, yep, this person is good. They can join. They match all of your criteria. And then the person can join and get access to everything. So it makes it easy uh, for the server to know that this person is at least somewhat trusted. If they don't match that criteria, it immediately blocks the player from joining so that they can't get access to all of those permissions. Or if it's a kid, 13, 14 years old, they don't get to join the server, right? Um, because it'll just block them right away. Um, there's other criteria that every server is different. Every community is different. They are allowed to have their own autonomy. And that means that you can set up your own criteria however you want to deny or accept different players based on your needs and desires. Awesome. So you're, you're not creating rules for servers. You're simply helping them enforce and provide that gate. You're allowed in based on server criteria. You're not based on server criteria. Yeah. We, we give the tools to the server to make their own decisions. Um, otherwise, like we've seen servers that have been like, you have to go through a registration process. And part of the registration process is you have to write this number on a piece of paper and then take a picture of yourself holding that number on the piece of paper and then send that to us over here and we'll double check it. You know, like that becomes really sketchy. Like, why does the server owner need to have my picture? Why are they <laughs> storing my picture? You know, like that's weird. Yeah. Um, you know, so yeah, we, we give other, other ways of doing things and verifying people. No, obviously, uh, anybody who's been listening for a little bit now or is aware of what I do outside of the podcast knows that I work with GamerSafer and have them on my server as well. So I know, you know, how it works and we, we've already gone down this road, but 
as somebody who's listening, they're probably still wondering, so how does this work? Do you, do you know, do I get in a voice chat with somebody at Gamer Safer? Do I fill out a form? How, what's the actual process for Gamer Safer to verify on the server's behalf who I am? Yeah, it's great. Great question. Um, first of all, if you want to talk to us, we've got gamersafer.com or you can go gamersafer.com slash discord. We'll bring you to our discord community so you can ask us a lot more questions if you want to. But um, yeah, basically, let's say you have a Minecraft server and you want to sign up for Gamersafer. You go to our website, gamersafer.com. You look in the menu. There is a Gamersafer for Minecraft button. Linked. You can click on that. It'll give you three different options for plans that you can sign up for. They just have different features. You choose one of those and you go through the sign up process. At the end of that sign up process, we give you an API key and we give you a plugin which you can install on your Java Edition server uh, using Spigot or Paper or some derivative of that. We also work with Velocity and Bungie Core. Um, so you would just install it like a plugin for those same systems, any other plugin. Um, once you go through that process, you're good to go. There are a lot of details here, but I'm kind of just breezing over. Yeah, yeah. Hopefully that, that's pretty straightforward. As a player, if I want to join your server, I go to your server, I log in, and I am greeted by a message that says whatever you want it to say. It's up to you. But it could say something like, you cannot leave this room until you link your GamerSafer profile. Um, High hopes. I think that on your server, it's that like there's an island, yep. right? And people have to they can they stay on the island. They are stuck on the island until they link their gamer safer profile. Yep, I believe. Let's see. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe shout out goes to Team Visionary, isn't it? That made that the island. Yeah, made the island. Yeah, Team Visionary is a Minecraft Marketplace partner. Uh, they built the island. They've done a lot of work with us. They're really, really amazing. So. Uh, love their work, definitely. Uh, and they built that island, and that's actually included. That onboarding island is included as part of our plugin. If you want to turn on the onboarding island, you can. So players are restricted. They're stuck on that island, and they have to link their GamerSafer profile. So the way that they do that is there's a QR code in the world. They scan the QR code, and it asks them using the GamerSafer app that they can download for free on iOS or Android. It asks them, do you want to join uh, Land of Hope, right? Or do you want to join whatever other server it is that they're joining? Mm -hmm. They click yes, join, and then it gives them all of the permissions on the server so that they have full access to leave that uh, that island or that room or you know, get access to the creative world or whatever it might be. Yeah, awesome. And then I think uh, keeping it simple is is great because I'm just trying to give people a, a taste and idea of, you know, if that's interest. If they want to find out the details, of course, the links will be in the show notes and everything, and they can go to the website, like you mentioned, and, and dig in there. So thank you. <laughs> no problem. <laughs> I don't I know not everybody's gonna be interested in those technical details. So I don't want to put half the crowd to sleep while half the crowd's like, oh, this is awesome. <laughs> yep. Uh, so what does it mean to be able to play games safely? People deserve to be able to find and create experiences that help them feel fulfilled or relaxed or comfortable or safe. What I mean by that is everyone's different, right? Mm -hmm. We Sometimes we get caught up. Okay, so 
you remember all the controversy with um, Minecraft chat reporting. Oh, yeah. Released last year uh, in August. All that controversy. People were like, I should be able to say what I want uh, just because there's some kids who play. Uh, you know, they just, I don't want kids on my server anyway. There's no kids who join my server, so I can say what I want. My community, we're all adults. We can say what we want. Adults deserve to not be bullied too, right? Yep. Like adults also deserve to not have to hear racist, sexist, or homophobic comments. They, like, this is not just a kid thing. Um, when I am done at the end of my day, a lot of times I play single player games because <laughs> frankly, like I, I have like some Minecraft communities I'll join and I'll be a part of, and those are a lot of fun. But like when it comes to other multiplayer games like League of Legends and stuff, I don't want to play because I don't want to be annoyed by people trolling and flaming and griefing and screaming and swearing. Like I want to relax. And hearing somebody cuss in my ears about being mad that they died or something, that does not make me relaxed. Finding gaming safely is about the individual. Do you have the ability to find or create the space where you feel safe, where you feel comfortable mentally, emotionally, physically, spiritually even, right? If you do, then that is really kind of in line with what gaming safely means. That can mean different things depending on the age group or the, again, the cultural background, uh, the economic class, even like any of those, like it, it's all varies by individual, but individuals deserve to be able to find uh, spaces where they feel safe. Absolutely. That's a, a great way of putting it because it is a very unique thing. So it's like the family friendly, you can't define safe for everybody. You can only define it for yourself. Or if you're a community, a server owner, or whatever, you know, this is what it means here. This is what the expectation you can have here is. And then you have to find what's what's a match for you and what you're looking for. Um, yep. We've talked a lot about Gamer Safer and Minecraft, but like in the beginning, you kept saying games. So should somebody take it away that Gamer Safer isn't just a Minecraft plugin? Oh, no, definitely not. Uh, so we actually. Um, most of our work is with other games, esports platforms, um, even other types of communities entirely. So uh, we work with um, large communities in like Brazil, for example, with a, a telecommunications company, one of the largest in uh, Latin America, and um, they use GamerSafer in their Discord. Uh, so we, we work with Discords. We also have GS Crosslink, which is a Discord bot uh, that does um, antivirus, file scanning, phishing prevention, scam prevention, like it checks the links and everything, mm -hmm. bot prevention. Um, we work with Init Esports. Init is, a, uh, is an organization founded by a woman uh, who and and she promotes um, all gamers, right? Any gamers, but specifically, she wants to give opportunities to um, female gamers who are really into racing sims. So uh, some different racing sims like Rims or Assetto Corsa or some other games. So they run these racing esport competitions, and they require gamers safer 
in order to join those competitions. Uh, that way they can prevent scammers and hackers and cheaters and bots from joining and ruining the competitive integrity. Um, we also have uh, 5M, we're looking at 5M uh, communities and work with some of them on integrating. So yeah, we work with a lot of different groups uh, and video games and uh, we are always open and excited to work with more. That's really cool. I knew I knew other games, obviously, and you know, being in the Discord, I'd seen the the five M G and GTA. I think it's yeah, it's GTA. Yep. Yeah. Okay. I wasn't sure because I I knew I'd heard the five M summer, but I wasn't definitive it was from the GTA correlation. But I didn't realize you guys also worked with like uh the oh, tele. Yeah, the telecommunications. Communications. I kept thinking kinesis. Thank you. <laughs> I'm like, that's, we're not there yet. <laughs> no, not yet. <laughs> so that that's really cool to hear that it's it's more than just gaming that this that wonderful application you guys have developed in the service is really being expanded beyond that that scope. Yeah, I mean, I've even talked with like uh, you know social networks and talked with uh, social you know like. Um, content creation platforms and yeah we've 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 talked with and worked with many people we've got projects that are currently underway that i can't really describe it of time. course lots of stuff that's happening that's really exciting um and the idea is that if you are a minecraft server owner you can benefit from that okay so like one of the pieces that we have here is this ability to expand on a global block list okay so if somebody gets banned for a severe harm, such as doxing in 5M, or they get banned for um, uh, uh, identity theft, right, on Discord or whatever, you know, some severe harm like that, stalking, right? Mm. Um, on your Minecraft server, you can have that person automatically blocked. So they try to join, they sign in with GamerSaver, and then your server's like, nope, you are on the block list for doxing, so you cannot join from 5M, right? From a totally different game and community entirely, uh, you've been blocked for doxing, so we're going to prevent you from joining our community here. So like being able to work across all these different platforms and games and, and events uh, with so many different companies really gives a benefit back to the Minecraft servers as well um, to be able to protect their communities from those worst offenders. That's awesome. And, you know, we, we've already had established trust and relationship before I was aware of Gamer Safer and everybody there has been fantastic and wonderful. But you did bring up the, the chat reporting and we know how some people hear stuff like that and they get concerned and some concerns are valid. You mentioned a global block list from a whole different game, from a whole different community. So what's to stop somebody, you know, a bad actor from just blacklisting a bunch of people who didn't necessarily do anything wrong? Uh, high hopes. If you were to ban everybody on your in your community for something terrible, uh, you know, child endangerment, for example, um, you know, like we we could notice that, right? Like, <laughs> high hopes is banning people who are completely unrelated from each other uh, for all the same reasons. Maybe we shouldn't trust <laughs> what reports are, right? Um, yeah. Maybe maybe we should take a second look here uh, before before uh, accepting those. Uh, but also communities again have that autonomy. So um, it we don't call it a global ban list. Okay. Okay. Very we 
carefully call it a global block list. And the reason why is because the community can make the decision on what they want to block. So if on my community, I care a lot about hacking, I can block to, uh, players who have been reported for hacking from trusted communities. Or I could block players from joining who were reported from hacking by all communities and all games. Or I could just allow hackers to join because I don't care if hackers join. That's great. I love hackers. Hackers can come and hang out with me on my server. Right? <laughs> I can allow that if I want to. It is not up to Gamer Saver. It's up to the individual community um, with some limitations, right? There's exceptions yeah. when it comes to like, you know, severe illegal things mm -hmm. happen, like swatting, for example. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, you said an interesting thing there. Trusted communities or all communities? So does that mean that a community can, since we're talking gaming, I'm, I'm going to use the example of leveling. Can they level up trust with gamers safer to raise their, their so, I, I don't want to say social status, but I guess the trust is, is, is really just the best word for it. How does that work? You know, what separates a trusted community from any other community? This is really, this is really, I mean, work in progress. Uh, you know, this is something that's being developed and it has to be, mm -hmm. and that has to take time. Yeah. Uh, and we're, we're seeing how this works. So right now that's not um, uh, really an established thing that people have access to. Okay. Uh, but what we do have is, is we, we have relationships with communities and we're building those and, uh, developing this type of uh, program over time and these types of relationships over time, uh, which might include training programs for Minecraft server staff, right? It might include some kind of certification for server staff, chat moderators, things like that. Um, and like over time, we will develop and roll those types of that, that concept out. But it's just uh, the way I was describing it is just as a concept. Yeah of there being these, for example, we know in Minecraft there's Hypixel. Yep. Hypixel is a huge server, massive. It is the mega of the megaist, right? Yeah. Um, and so like if Hypixel, um, you know, is like a trusted partner of ours, uh, and then let's say my server, okay, mine, mine house, mm -hmm. my personal little community, um, like if, if Hypixel has, you know, certifications and they have, um, you know, they've, they've built a reputation for having really great staff that have been well-trained and they're following and enforcing rules and guidelines, then yeah, like the reports and the activities that, um, they are reporting the, the behaviors that they are banning for, um, has a different weight to it, right? Then let's say a server that is uh, has only been running for a few weeks and has maybe 10 players and um, the staff, it's just a, a few, you know, teenagers or college students who are doing it for fun, you know, an hour a week, mm -hmm. like that. Very different scenarios, right? Absolutely. Yeah. So I guess you could say that there's like a quote unquote leveling up, but it's very in development, in concept and just uh, as an idea here of what we're working towards. Yeah, I can appreciate that. Just a, a foreshadowing of what could be coming or is to come in the ever ever growing in evolution to, to safety and keeping it safer. Yeah. 
safety is longitudinal, and that means that we have to constantly be working, right? So we've got to always be uh, finding areas to make improvements and keep things on the table for what we can uh, what we can develop next. Absolutely. So how would you recommend parents stay involved in safety? Obviously, it, it gets harder and harder as technology keeps advancing quicker and quicker. And there's there's always a new app. There's new, you know, forms of multiplayer and different tiles of games. And I know for myself, you know, I, I do all right. I'm, there's a, a smaller age gap between my son and me than most parents. And I'm tech influenced and into that. But like my wife, for example, I mean, she she does has a good day when she turns on the computer and opens the web browser. So it could be – I could not imagine trying to be her and having a, a child who's online and trying to supervise all that while being a working parent. Yeah, I mean, people love to say um, parents are responsible for their kids. If the kid gets in trouble online, it's the parent's fault for not paying attention. The parents need to learn how to set up parental controls. Uh, parents need to be actively engaged with their child online. It's, it's like, it's so close to impossible that you might as well call it impossible. They're, they're, how does a parent, you know, when when there are, Know, a million games on Steam, mm-hmm. Xbox Live, and Game Pass, and everything that kids can join, and each one of those has different parental control systems, and not to mention all the social networks that a kid can get on for free with no kind of verification process needed, right? No, no limitations at all. Like it is so easy for kids to just get out and do whatever they want. Um, it is so close to impossible for parents to keep up with that, right? Yeah. Uh, so, you know, to answer your question, like, how does a parent stay up to speed on safety? I think that that's one of the challenges that's like, I don't know. I don't know the answer to that question. I don't know the answer. I think that it's really, it's up to companies, you know, really mm-hmm. like what parents can do is hold the companies accountable demand that these companies take action, right? To make it easier to set up standards for community guidelines, to set up standards for rule enforcement, for privacy, for security, right? For child protections, right? Like parents, that's probably the best thing that parents can do is to go to these companies and say, stop treating my child like a product. Stop treating my child like an asset that you're going to make money off of because they're viewing ads in your game or on your website or your social network or whatever, right? Like treat me and my child with respect. And and I demand, I demand that you put these standards in place and in practice beyond just saying like, we care about privacy. Well, if you care about privacy, actually put privacy uh, standards and technological standards in place. If you care about security, stop storing passwords and plain text, right? Like things like that. You know, like I think that that's probably the best thing that parents can do is use their collective voice as parents and say, you know what? Like we want companies to start acting responsibly and doing what needs to be done to protect our kids online. Absolutely. I think that's a great answer because it, it is nearly impossible to keep up with every if not impossible to keep up with everything and so taking the onus off trying to keep up with everything and 
using your voice like you said and your wallet to to steer the the companies in the direction you you expect them to go you know if you can't keep up with the safety tech then they need to enforce and build that into the systems and you have a voice there on you know do you allow your kids to play this game yes no do you spend money on this game yes no by and you can make that decision a lot simpler by just you know when i open this game does it give me options to set up the parental controls immediately online single player etc yeah i mean i'm gonna say something bold um and probably possibly controversial so i'm sorry Uh, but (laughs) I I truly believe that when people say parents just need to be more aware of what's happening, you know, they need to set up parental controls or they need to monitor what their kids are doing online. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm just going to say they don't know what they're talking about. I'm not a parent. Okay. So like, uh, I, I'm not coming from this as a parent saying like, you guys don't know what you're talking about, but like, I don't know anybody who is a parent who is actually keeping up with what their kids are doing online. I was teaching in schools, middle schools um, and elementary schools a a few years ago. I was part of a a number of different programs and classes. The things that the kids are doing in school, you know, on on the public library computers or whatever, Mm. like how are parents supposed to be monitoring that? I remember when I was a teenager in high school and I would sneak on a computer at my school and use proxies to get around the school <laughs> children to play video games and stuff. Like, if, like, there's not a way, yeah. not possible for parents to keep up with everything that their kid can get access to online. Uh, so the only people who have that ability are the companies themselves, are yeah. the development studios, are the social media um, conglomerates, right? Those are the companies and the organizations that have the power to put this safety in practice, not parents. Parents don't have that power to do that. They have the power to put pressure on companies to do that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I I will say as a parent, you know, there's my son's my adopted son. So there's a 10 year difference between me and him. So I have the advantage of not having this huge gap of technology that sprung up and I was lost to, but even still with that, with that shortened age gap, being somebody who's into tech, who's on discord, Twitter, all that Snapchat, TikTok, like when those things, Instagram, when those first started like popping off, I didn't know what they were. My son was explaining to me, Oh, this is Snapchat. This is how I use it. And I'm like, I'm not old yet. (laughs) I turned 30 this year. Like if I'm already falling behind, I can't imagine what it must be like for for others. I think that's an important thing to recognize. You can't be aware of everything, so don't fight that uphill battle. Use your voice in a more constructive and appropriate direction. Um, Yeah. Swinging back to to Gamer Safer, what is the Master Key program? Is that something that you can talk about? Yeah, I don't know for sure if that was a public thing. I believe it's public, yes? Yes. Yeah. It is. Okay. Uh, so that's something that we uh, we've been working on and and doing a bit of work with a few communities over the last uh, I think six months, eight okay. months or so. Um, and it, it basically is this idea for Minecraft servers. Mm-hmm. Um, we we've done similar programs for other games. So Discord, for example, we had a different program not called Master Key, but it was similar. 
Um, but the idea was that we would help new Minecraft server owners set up their permissions systems for, you know, handling that, their punishment systems. Uh, do you like a plugin review, EULA compliance review, um, and to assist in those ways to help communities get off the ground, right? Um, and that would include some months, uh, I think it was three months of uh, GS Auth, so our, our GS Auth plugin and service, you, you get a few months of that uh, included as part of the Master Key program. Uh, and yeah, we just try and help get communities off the ground, set them up on the right foot, and um, you know, hopefully see them succeed. We want to see communities succeed, and we don't want to see communities get uh, you know blocked by Mojang because they broke the EULA because they didn't understand the, uh, the commercial usage guidelines or the end user license agreement from Mojang. Uh, so yeah, we want to we want to help out in those ways. We've also done some work with uh, servers, um, server networks, building plugins for their custom game modes. Uh, so that kind of also falls under the GS Master Key program, and uh, that it's even gone as far as we've we, our team has built entirely built a server uh, from the ground up for uh, some different organizations. So there's a, a group called uh, Techie Factory um, that uh, we worked with over the summer. They do some summer camp and after school programs, and we help them, you know, get their, their server network launched, um, you know, with creative mode, survival, some PVP game modes, things like that. Uh, so yeah, like it, GS Master Key is kind of this idea that uh, we will use our expertise and our team members to help communities get launched. They get the master key to uh, success. I like that. Yeah, I'm, I'm grateful for it. Obviously, a little biased right here. Uh, I, I used it myself. Um, but yeah, it, it, it helps so much because unlike a realm where it's, you know, a couple of clicks and poof, everything's set up, but you, you sacrifice control. A server gives you the control to really get into the weeds. And so, you know, the work you guys did in helping set that up and more than just the technical stuff, one of the things that I really appreciated was the the uh, the guidelines, the the community building. I don't know, the, remember the term? It's been yeah, so long now. Canvas. Yes. Guidelines, template. Yeah, having you you walk through some of that stuff really inspired some thinking and questions that, you know, I hadn't considered. I did all this research, you know, how to set up a server, but there's other aspects like moderation, you know, uh, what permissions you want your players to have, what's what's the server about that oftentimes can fall to the side if you're focused on the technical aspect. And I thought that was a great um, thing that to, to put in there. But I'm more curious, what inspired that? Because when I think of, you know, gamer safer and player safety and things like that, server setup isn't, it's pretty far down the list of things that immediately come to mind for me. <laughs> uh, I mean, great question. Um, if, if a game or a community or a website is not built with safety in mind from the beginning, it can become very difficult to add that on later. Okay. Um, so if by offering GS Master Key, what we really are, are doing, what we want to do is work with communities that are either starting off brand new or they are entering a new chapter in their journey that is completely refreshed. It's almost essentially brand new. 
And in those ways, we have this ability to share with them ideas about how they can improve player safety and set it up from the basics, from the very beginning, uh, to, to help them establish themselves as a safe community or a safer community, right? Um, so critically, I, I think I've always believed, so I've worked in, um, I worked in restaurants when I was younger and coffee shops and such. And I remember when I was general manager at a restaurant, we had this big discussion about like, do we want to repaint everything on the inside of the restaurant? You know, do we want to get booths and tables and decorations and everything? And I said to my boss, uh, uh, the owner, I was like, look, um, it doesn't matter how beautiful the paint is here inside of the restaurant if nobody is walking through the doors to see it, right? Like you have to get people in the doors mm -hmm. to see it. In the same way, it doesn't matter how technically good the gameplay is, right? Or, you know, how everything is set up perfectly with your custom game modes and things like that. If people don't want to join, if it doesn't look fun, if it doesn't look safe, it does if it doesn't look like they're going to be going there and having a good time, then they won't join, right? Uh, and so it kind of, it all ties together. People want to be safe online. People want to not be harassed. They want to not be trolled. And so by establishing that as like a core tenant uh, of, a, of a pillar of a server when it's first launching, I think is really important. So that's that's why that's a, that's a part of the same system. Anybody can build a plugin. Anybody can create a custom game mode. Um, it, it, you just takes some code, right? Mm -hmm. But not anybody, not anybody, not any community is going to feel safe. Not every community is going to feel like a community. Uh, that has that takes work. That takes effort. That to me is a much harder job than any of the development or coding or you know gameplay mechanics. Absolutely, that I can definitely speak to that in the the short time I've been doing any of this. It's community development is not the same as a physical project. As soon as you add that human element, oof, <laughs> things get tricky. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You, you will quickly find out that there are a million. Uh, bugs in your system, you know, and yeah, 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 totally. <laughs> so, um, we, we've talked a little bit about Gamer Safer and the wonderful stuff that does. We've talked a little bit about Minecraft. Uh, a few questions for you personally. What's up with you and podcasts, my friend? You've created two of your own. You've guested on multiple. There seems to be a correlation here. I really, really like podcasts. I don't listen to them as much as I'd like. Um, just because I, when I'm done on my computer, I like to not, I don't even listen to music anymore when I'm not at my computer. I just like to not have things in my ears, right? Mm. Except when I'm walking at the park. Sometimes I do like to have a podcast going when I'm walking at the park, but now it's, it's winter. It's too cold. To it, so. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I don't get that opportunity right now, but, but. I really love conversational podcasts. I really love um, podcasts like on NPR, This American Life. Uh, some of those like storytelling type podcasts are really cool. Mm -hmm. I have actually been a host on four or five. I think I've been on a host on five podcasts now. Two of them were Minecraft related. 
Uh, the other three were years ago before Minecraft. So like podcasts have always been something I've loved. And I I have frequently thought about launching one again, but I just, I don't want to make that commitment because I want to do it long term and I don't know if I can. But... <laughs> yeah. So I'm grateful to people like you who are keeping the podcast game going. Oh, I'm, I'm trying. <laughs> I have my dips, but yeah, that, no, that's oh, awesome. We all do. That's good. Oh. I saw I saw this thing on, on Twitter one time and it, it had me crack up so hard I had to I felt I had to tie it down because we talked way back when about potentially having you on one day and somebody had said aren't you the guy who sells coffee off a Minecraft server and that to me that was almost like free branding right there <laughs> that was, because coffee is so tied into to you and what you do and for those who don't know Steph has actually given a TEDx talk about coffee i mean there's more to it but nutshell about coffee <laughs> and so to me that was just hilarious so what makes coffee such an important thing i, I feel it's so tied in with you and your brand with the cafe and mine house well, and everything yeah um you remember the like the first question or maybe the second question you asked was like why minecraft servers yes it all it's the same thing um it goes back to when i was younger the things that we that affect us when we are developing and growing into being adults, they really affect us long term, even with decisions that might not make much sense um, or it might seem minimally impactful. I got into coffee um, when uh, a guy bought me a cup of coffee and he became my best friend. And then my best friend introduced me to his sister and I fell in love with her and now we're engaged, right? Like um, coffee is an opportunity to build relationships, just like Minecraft servers, I was saying earlier, right? Like mm. an opportunity to build a relationship. I was actually very thankful to be featured in uh, in um, uh, NPR at one point um, in the past and uh, some other news articles and stuff uh, because I was doing, um, uh, I was giving away cups of coffee. So we would allow customers to come in and they could buy a token and the token would be put into a jar and then any other person, it doesn't matter who they are, where they come from or anything, they could come in, grab a token and they get a free coffee or a free other drink or a free sandwich or whatever. Uh, so it was this idea of like paying it forward. Right? Mm -hmm. You would buy a cup of coffee. We call this suspended coffee. Okay, so you buy a suspended coffee for any other random person to use. Uh, and get a free cup of coffee just to show that kindness to somebody. Um, and I, some of my favorite times was when I would go out on the street and sit at a table in front of a coffee shop with a little sign that said, uh, let me buy you a coffee and have a conversation, you know? And we would literally, like people would just come over and sit down, I'd go inside, buy them a coffee and we'd sit and talk for an hour and just get to know so many random, amazing people from around the world and share their stories with me. and. You know, just learn about complete strangers. It, that's what coffee's about. It's community. It's conversations. It's it's relationships. Um, it's important to me. That's awesome. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. It, I I can definitely relate to that. I love the idea of just sitting there. I might have to steal that one sometime when it, whenever <laughs> weather gets a little warmer. Uh, today, nope. I'm sorry. I don't care how interesting you are. I'm going inside. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I've, I've definitely gotten caught up. I've I'm very Minecraft proud. I have a, a jacket and a beanie that I wear, especially in the winter time. And they're both Minecraft logoed. And so occasionally I'll get somebody talking to me 
and I had one time an hour and a half I stood in Walmart went there for a five minute trip guy didn't even play Minecraft just thought it looked interesting and asked me about it <laughs> hour and a half later I look at my phone as my wife's called it's like where are you I see you in the store for one day like oh sorry hon. some random talk to me about my hat now we're talking about our whole life story <laughs> whoops <laughs> yep so I can definitely relate to that that's awesome and I, I think that's an important thing people forget is that the whole reason, you know, we play these online multiplayer games that we go into these discords and we drop comments and YouTube videos and go to Twitch is, is that community interaction. And we got to foster that and, you know, help build each other up. Um, yeah. So is that how you built your social network? I mean, it seems like everywhere I go since I learned of you and, you know, found you through mutuals on Twitter or wherever it was. You seem to pop up everywhere. I feel like I, I couldn't throw a stone without hitting a couple people who are like, yeah, I know him. Like, totally unrelated people like Foxy Monoxide. It's like, what? Like, I know no direct connection between the two of you. <laughs> like, stop. Up the, yep, recognize the name. Oh, gosh. Um, I don't know if it, <laughs> what, what, what really, uh, like, a question there. But, like, yeah, I, I guess I just... I like people. I like talking to people. I'm an introvert, so I I don't like people. <laughs> like, I like just being alone. I, I need to re-energize by myself. I need my mm-hmm. own time. But yeah, I don't know. I just I don't I, I don't know. I don't know the answer. I, I I just I just like meeting people. I think that people are cool. When I was a teenager, I was I was in drama. I I did theater you know i i was a i tried to be a computer nerd but that's a different story <laughs> I was a math nerd like i was the kid who was playing chess in the middle of of class like i was a gym guy like i i wanted to play football i tried out for the football team i was in weightlifting i was in wrestling like i've done everything you know mm-hmm. i've just always enjoyed being involved in experiencing things. One of my one of my really good friends, uh, his name's Darren. He calls himself an experience junkie, and I've kind of stolen that for myself. Like I love just trying new things, traveling, eating random foods, meeting new people, and genuinely trying to be interested in their lives. Now, I'm not very good at all of those things, you know, <laughs> but but. Uh, I just enjoy trying them out. And when you try stuff out, you meet cool people. And uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I, I don't know how I've gotten such an amazing opportunity to meet so many people and, and you know, have good relationships. It's kind of crazy to me. <laughs> Thanks for the reminder. <laughs> you I forget that sometimes. <laughs> You're welcome. It's not a problem. I, to be honest, I kind of knew the answer already because you, you'd already kind of touched on it just without you know, directly knowing the head. You take an interest in people and in activities. And it's a very genuine interest. Uh, a friend of mine, he recently did a name brand change. He went from Fofi Coin to The Unknown Dad. He talked about it one time like a lot on Twitch, how you'll get somebody who pops in for five seconds just to say hi. But you'll see them do that on like 20 different streams and they don't really stay long. It's just like 
hey, see me everywhere. It's a very shallow engagement. And with you, it's very much the opposite. It's a, a genuine, strong engagement and interest and in the activity. And, you know, you mentioned not necessarily being very good at things or being an introvert. And I think that's something that holds a lot of people back is they think, oh, well, I'm not extroverted or, oh, well, you know, I'm not very good at that. Those are false conceptions. A lot of the best relationship builders I know are self-proclaimed introverts because what people forget is that's just how you get your energy you can be a great social butterfly and still be like hey i might be great at shaking hands and kissing babies but i need like five hours to myself now okay <laughs> like that, that's not mutually exclusive it's just you know as an extrovert i'm pumped like this this conversation or you know 20 people in front of me i'm like yes i'm, I'm feeling the energy i'm good let's go and after too long by myself i'm like hey, i need people where's the people yeah. but either way you can take an interest in somebody and so i know a lot of people listening are creators themselves and they're probably wondering like well i don't know anybody or maybe i just got on social media whatever the case is and just take a genuine interest you know that's how we got started it's a couple of tweets here and there or comment here and there and a genuine interest in what the other person was saying or doing and not a coming with an agenda yeah. i think is that oh, critical dude, that last line right there coming with an agenda like that is i think so so critical we we have these expectations. Oh, I'm going to have a conversation with this person, and these are the topics that we're going to discuss, and here's how I'm going to answer these things. And so then, like, self-proclaimed introverts, and I am I can say this because I'm guilty of thinking this same way in the past, um, we, we go in and we're like, oh, that did not meet my expectations. So now I'm terrified. I'm nervous, I'm anxious, I'm frustrated right now. I'm mm -hmm. drained right now. Um, but it's like, okay, like what if I can just set aside those expectations, set aside the expectations for myself, set aside the expectations and the agenda for somebody else, set aside the assumptions of what they think, right? One of the biggest things that I had to learn how to do was to stop telling other people how they feel about me. Right. Mm. And so like what I mean by that is like uh, I, I joined this conversation. Oh, did I say something stupid? Oh, that was totally dumb. Why did I say that? <laughs> I'm so awkward. Why would I do that sort of thing? Gosh, why can't I just be normal? You know, yeah. and like uh, what I'm doing in that moment is I'm telling other people how they are supposed to feel about me mm. and I'm not listening to them tell me how they feel about me. And you've helped me with this. There's times where I still do this exact same thing. And you're like, hey, dude, just remember that like there are people who see what you're doing and they think that it's good, right? And that's helped me like, you know, calm down and get, you know, reflect. I had a really great friend uh, last New Year's, a year ago, when we, when Leah and I moved to open a coffee shop like five years ago in Nashville, I thought, and it didn't work out. I thought all my friends thought I was a failure, you know, because I was had tried this crazy thing and it didn't work out. And I caused Leah to follow me and, you know, completely up uplift our lives, not, not uplift, uproot our lives and change them. <laughs> for the worst. I was like, this is crazy. And then my friend said, when I saw you go down and chase after your dream, I was amazed because I don't know very many people who would completely change their lives to go after their dreams. And that shows dedication and resilience to be able to go after your dreams like that. And I was like, whoa, hold on a second. That's not at all what I thought you thought about me. Mm. I thought you thought I was a loser. <laughs> I thought you thought I was a failure and an embarrassment. And, yep. you know, uh, and really like he thought something else completely different. And it's the same sort of thing, man, I'm going on and on. I'm sorry. No, no, no. This is great. It's the same sort of thing of like job opportunities. I'm not going to apply for that job because they shouldn't hire me. I'm not good enough. 
stop telling other employers whether or not they should hire you. Apply for the job. Let them make the decision. You are not their God. You're not their boss. Stop telling them how they should feel about you, right? That's what I had to tell myself mm -hmm. because I realized I was telling my friends, you shouldn't love me. I was telling my friends, you shouldn't like me. You shouldn't do, you know, you should think this about me. Who gave me the right to tell other people how they should feel about? Who gave me the right to tell other people what they should talk about with me, right? I don't have that right. I'm not their king. I'm not God. So this gets like really deep, but like that's like truly how I feel is when I go into a relationship, when I go into a conversation, we we have to put aside the assumptions. This is how this person is going to act. Mm -hmm. This is how this person is going to think or feel or behave in some way. We got to put that aside because we're not the ones in charge, right? And when we start doing that and we go in with just like, whatever happens, happens, I'm here to experience it. Mm -hmm. Then we can have genuinely good relationships with people. And that's amazing because you are not projecting anything onto them. You're accepting them for who they are. Uh, that might have went way off from where your original statement was. But man, like, <laughs> I think that that like, putting aside the agenda is so critical to relationships. It's so important. And all of this content creator stuff, it's so important. We got to stop. Yeah. Absolutely. No, no. I, I think you're great. You're spot on. It's it, especially I want to talk about, you know, the podcast is about Minecraft, but a big part of Minecraft is the content creator scene and is, you know, people making those connections. We're playing on servers. We're interacting with others. We're not in a vacuum. So it's important to have these discussions and to remember that most people are thinking about themselves. So while you're standing there or sitting there worried about like, how do I sound? Do I sound intelligent? Do I sound too dumb? You know, do they think I'm funny? Oh, they think I'm a loser. They're probably thinking the same thing or very similar lines. And you get, you know, when it's not that case, because that's when you get those huge rifts and conflict of communication <laughs> and that'll become very apparent. But if you just settle down and just express it, I, I think it was FC dad, family craft dad, we were on Twitter and this was around the time of the chat reporting and he, they'd said something and it could have been me. It could have just been the you know, lack of tone and everything through text. But I was like, you know, Hey, this feels very sarcastic. Thank you for the conversation. I appreciate your views. Yeah, yeah. And I was kind of like ending the conversation. Like I'm getting upset. I'm and they they had clarified like, hey, you know, that's not. I, I was meaning this. I wasn't meaning that. Whatever the case was. But if I had not expressed what was in my head and said like, hey, this is how I'm feeling. I'm gonna, you know, take these steps. They could not have clarified or let me know. No, no. This is what I'm meaning and this is what I'm thinking. And so it's okay to have those thoughts. But if you can't put those aside, then put them out there. And accept the feedback and the, the correctness. You know, if I'm worried about how our conversation is going and I can't set that aside because I know that's something we hear a lot. Just put it aside, forget about it, ignore it. Whatever. Not always possible. That's fine. But then put it out there. Don't stew in it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, that's you're absolutely right. There's I was having a conversation on Twitter not too long ago. Uh, I mean, it's actually been a while. Like a month, <laughs> and a half. Uh, and um I had said something. I don't remember all the details right now, but I remember saying something and somebody replied to me and they changed what I said. They completely twisted what I said and put words in my mouth. Mm -hmm. So when I replied, I replied very clearly 
with an upset tone, right? It's text, so tone is hard to communicate, but I wanted it to be very clear. I'm upset with what you just did. Yeah. What you just did is wrong, okay? And uh, somebody, like a group of people, replied back saying like, wow, that's really rude what you just said. Why do you have to be so angry about that or whatever? And I, I explained. I said, well, they put words in my mouth. Mm -hmm. changed what I said, right? So I needed to correct that. And all of these people that I responded to this said, oh, sorry, I, I didn't realize that that's what they did, right? It just sounded like you were being really hostile. Mm -hmm. And I thought that that was funny because, you know, from all these different people who said, it just sounded like you were being really hostile for no reason. And my thought was, I was being hostile. And I'm not going to apologize for it mm. because I wanted that person to feel my disapproval of their behavior. Yeah. I am not going to sugarcoat it. I'm not going to say, hey, I'm sorry that, you know, you are, you know, saying something that, you know, I, like I'm not going to sugarcoat it. No, if you are saying something that is incorrect and it is harmful in some way, I want you to know this hurts me. Yeah. It's okay. Now, sometimes I don't care. Sometimes people will say stuff and I'm just like, whatever, it's not worth my time or energy. Laugh it off, move on. You know, knowing how to pick your battles is important. Yeah. Don't let stuff stress you out or anything. But sometimes, yeah, you've got to express, hey, this doesn't sound right. Hey, this is wrong, you know, and it is okay to do that. And if you sound like you're in conflict, that's okay. Yep. It's all right. You're allowed to be in conflict with someone else. Conflict is not scary. No, it doesn't. Well, I should say it doesn't have to be. Scary. <laughs> you know, we can we can disagree with each other. That is all right. And we can still respect each other mm -hmm. through that disagreement. Appropriate conflict is an important facet of the human experience to be able to appropriately go. I don't agree with you there. Let's discuss this further is something that. I imagine big picture we're getting better at, but because of the way the internet works and the algorithm and, you know, echo bubbles and chambers and whatnot, sometimes it feels like people just get denser and denser and put up more walls instead of going, I don't agree with you, but I'm willing to talk. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. I, I'll tell you like a, a pet peeve of mine right now is kind of an extension of the the opposite of what you just said. So what you said was, I don't agree with you, but let's talk. Mm -hmm. um, but there's like this opposite extension of that where it's like, I'm sorry, I don't agree with you. No, no, don't be sorry. Don't, don't be sorry that you disagree. Like just, just own it. Yeah. This goes back to the very beginning of why my name is what it is. I just own it. Yeah. I disagree with you. Not, I'm sorry, I don't mean to come off rude, I don't mean to be con uh, controversial or conflicting with you, but just like, this is what I believe. Yeah. And now you say it in a respectful way. You don't say, you know, cuss them out and tell them that they're stupid <laughs> for believing something different than you or something like yeah. that. Right? But it's like, it is okay to just say, I disagree with you. Yep. And, you know, um, if there's a misunderstanding, yeah, I'm sorry. Absolutely. If there's a potential misunderstanding, I'm sorry, but could you clarify? Yeah, totally. That's great. You know, that's totally <laughs> respectful. But if it's like, high hopes, you say that the sky is green. I'm not sorry for telling you, no, it's blue. 
<laughs> it's a great example. And I, I'm going to dive into a little off topic here for a second. But technically, if, if my education was correct, blue is a color reflected and it absorbs all other colors. It's not blue. It's the other color. Exactly. It's technically more green than it is blue. You're right. You're totally right. Yep. You're right. As soon as I learned about that in school, I had this epiphany and I probably drove everybody around me crazy because I'm like, that's not that cool. <laughs> Technically, I learned about prisms and light reflection. <laughs> no, I mean, you're, you're 100% on point. Like, that is, that is, I mean, it's also ultraviolet, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. Uh, so, I guess my, my final question then maybe it's just my perspective but it seems to me like your focus with what you do not just on youtube and the little bit of streaming you do on youtube or twitch but all encompassing the focus doesn't seem to be you most creators it seems like mr beast or whoever and, and no shame to them for this at all but it seems usually the individual is the focus you know, with Mr. Beast, his goal might be charity and raising awareness or whatever the case it is. I'm not hugely familiar with him, but he's definitely present on everything. You know, the, the name Mr. Beast Burger, Mr. Beast Channels and all that, it's all very tied to who Mr. Beast is him. He is Mr. Beast. But with you, it's it doesn't seem to be like that's the primary focus of making sure everybody's aware of Stifler. It's more of... Be aware of, you know, of a, a Blockalypse or Gamer Safer or whatever project you've got going on. And then occasionally it's like, hey, I got a blog post. I got a YouTube video. Yeah. Um, why is that? I've asked that question a lot. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, I'm, I'm like, my eyes are up because I'm really trying to think internally about, like, why that is. Because this is a question that comes up a lot. And I, I guess I don't... I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I I like helping. I but I'm, it's not altruism, right? Mm -hmm. Maybe there's a bit of. I mean, if I'm just being completely transparent and honest, maybe there's a bit of fear in it. Mm -hmm. If I put myself as the main focus of attention, then um, I risk more if it fails. Uh, I've definitely tried to put myself out there more in the past with other industries. Mm -hmm. I, like I've worked with smartphones in the past. I worked for mobile nations. My boss was one of the founders of the verge. I was an editor, technical editor for the four dummies books. Uh, so like I was really into that type of stuff. And then obviously coffee for a while I was trying to do things. Um, so I, I guess I've done it in the past and maybe nowadays the last like four years I've it's become like a subconscious self-preservation sort of behavior. Okay. Um, but I don't know. I don't know the answer. Um, I I don't know. I I like to see. You know, oh, you know what? It, you know what part of it is? Definitely this. Um, I've tried to do things on my own, like have big visions, big projects, big plans, uh -huh. things. Uh, and I wanted to succeed at them, but I didn't have people supporting me directly in the way that I needed mm -hmm. uh, at those times. And that's partially my fault, right? Um, partially just the way that the world was, the time it was and everything. Yeah. And so I want to be that person for other people who have dreams and visions. Okay. I want to be the person that I needed in the past. Uh, and if they succeed, then that's amazing. Uh, and I feel successful through that. No, that, that's a great answer. And 
you know, you really tied it up there at the end with, I think, a, a really solid answer and a great thing, you know, a rising tide lifts all boats. Don't be a, a crab in a bucket type thing. But I also want to highlight the fact that, you know, not for the first time, you've said, I don't know. And I think if people would take more time on Minecraft, on YouTube, online, in real life, in real day-to-day -day interactions, they just go, I don't know. <laughs> and then maybe put some thought into it and come back or, you know, just leave it at that and just, I don't know. I think the world would be a, a much better place to just be able to admit, you know, I don't have, that's a good question. I don't have the answer for that. Too often we strive to have the answer for everything and we'll make up something. It's like, just, just be honest. You don't know. That's okay. Well, uh, I don't know. <laughs> uh i agree i agree i think that that's it's okay to say i don't know it's okay to say no it's okay to say let me find out um i like that every uh, a rising tide raises all ships uh i also like uh every joint supplies uh and it's not it's like it's like this idea that like you might be a shoulder joint and i might be an elbow joint the elbow cannot be a shoulder, right? Yeah. It's not possible. Uh, so, like, if the toe came to me and said, like, hey, how do you rotate the arm around? And I'm an elbow. I'm going to be like, I don't know. Go ask the shoulder. Mm -hmm. And that's okay. That's totally fine. You don't need to be a jack of all trades. It's okay to have a specialty and stick in that niche, so to speak. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's okay. It's okay to. It's also okay to be jack of all trades. Yeah, it's a, whatever works for you. Uh, if you're not a specialist, that's fine. Embrace what you've got going for you. Don't try to to stick a peg in a round hole, a square in a round hole, so to speak. Yeah, I mean, in the like your brain, you know, your brain controls everything in your body. But if I stood on my brain, like I do my feet, I would die. <laughs> I yeah. need my feet you know I need those feet I can't just be all brain uh, that's not how life works so you know if you're a jack of all trades that's great but don't expect to be somebody's foundation uh, you know that they stand on if you aren't that and that's okay Yeah. alright uh, that, that's a, a great point well I have no further questions for you at this time is there anything that we didn't talk about that you would like to broach or express is, no here's the here's the real question is there anything that we didn't talk about because <laughs> we just talked about <laughs> a whole lot of things that went really really deep <laughs> um I don't think we discussed oh no for those who are not aware because I found out through you we did not talk about the fact that there are coffee beans that can give you peanut butter like flavors without sugar and creamer and that was mind blowing for me and the world needs to know this Ethiopian natural arty sadamo try that out or get you some <laughs> some Ethiopian uh, guji or 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 uh, try and find you like a honey process, um, maybe something from, uh, it could be from Kenya, uh, honey process, or maybe like a Burundi. Ooh, yeah, Burundi. Get you a nice natural Burundi. You can get some like peanutty flavor in that. Mm. No extra flavoring, 
No sugars, no additives. It's just the natural beans, baby. Let's go. <laughs> I love it. I love the passion that just immediately comes as you get going. Oh, that's awesome. Well, thank you so much, Stifler. Or should I say Sniffler for the holiday season? Yeah, uh, for those of you wondering. The <laughs> yeah, as I say, for those of you wondering, we're recording this just before Christmas, literally like four days before, but you won't hear it till probably around closer to Valentine's Day. But thank you so much. This has been amazing, Stifler. Yeah. Thanks for having me. This has been fun. Absolutely. Well, you have a, a good day, and I will let you know closer to time when this is getting ready to go out, but feel free to talk about it. It doesn't need to be confidential or anything like that. I'm not worried about that. And my apologies for the beginning, and you were a little caught off guard that I was already recording. I find it easier just to hit start record, chit-chat a little bit, and then just go right into it and not have that abrupt. Yeah, yeah, I, was, I was surprised. That was funny. Um no, I think I think that's cool. Uh, that was a long conversation. I don't know if they normally go that long. Normally they're shorter for you, aren't they? Uh, it kind of depends on what what time avails and you know the host has. Yeah, so far you this is probably going to be one of the longer ones that I've done. But I kind of expected that just because I had a decent amount of questions and I know we have a good rapport already. So I kind of expected a bit of natural you know give and take and flow to the conversation. But this is this is the ideal. This is the direction I'm wanting to head. Like I started off with you know the the news segments and like a deep dive, but I realized really quickly like the news. I I don't have the time to keep up with that's such a turn and dump and like the weathering effect struggling with it at the moment they're they're doing some new stuff for the new year and then foxy no tail jesse b slack lizard they came out with uh rebranded the podcast came back out and the unofficial update podcast <laughs> So it's like, oh, great. You know, there's news bedrock side, plenty of people talking Java side. And I really like the Void Frogs, that conversation. And that's a lot of what I listen to is like the Jordan Harbinger show, which is recently like Tim Ferriss or any of those Joe Rogan long format interview discussions. I was like, I really liked hearing you guys talk to people who weren't the traditional, I want to say mainstream Minecrafter, you know, that wasn't the big let's player that everybody's heard of, which is great. I like hearing from those folks, but you've shown a spotlight on aspects of Minecraft I hadn't heard. And I was like, that's the direction I want to go. That's what I want to do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I think that that's great. Do it, please, because I wanted to hear more of this type of stuff. It was great to hear that you interviewed uh, Janie. Yep. Um, I think that that's super cool. Get more people like that on, and uh, you'll have a great show because these types of conversations are important. And especially if people feel comfortable talking to you and being real, um, then that's good. And I'm glad that we didn't just stick on Minecraft and we didn't just talk about safety and stuff, that we talked about other things because um, – our decisions on how we do things in Minecraft and our decisions on how we do things with our day jobs and everything is affected. It all mm -hmm. affects each other. And it's exactly what I said in several answers was like it, everything that we do affects other things that we do. Yes. Um, so I think that that's really cool to kind of get this full experience of the person and ask questions that are out of the box. So good job. Thank, Thank you, you for having me on. You're welcome. Appreciate it. Hey man, good luck. And uh, yeah, I'll keep me posted on when things are going live and I'll uh, talk to you later. But happy holidays, happy new year and everything. Absolutely. Thanks. You too, man. Later. Peace. Bye.
man, what a fantastic conversation that was. I hope you guys enjoyed it as much as I did. I am my energy levels. Like I said, I'm an extrovert. You know, this was this was great for me. Uh, me and Steph have have had quite a few conversations over the I guess few years now that I've I've come to know him. He's helped me set up my server, like I said, with Gamer Safer through that master key program. So I. I, I really enjoyed this. I hope it wasn't too much for you guys. I hope you enjoyed some of that, you know, off-topic, quote-unquote, banter that we had. Like, we, we just said at the end, you know, our lives are not just online. It's not just in Minecraft. And those things affect us. You know, what happens online, what happens in-game carries over to IRL. You know, this energy, this way that I'm running right now, that's going to be affecting my family when they come home and they see me and they're like, wow, like... Hopes is hyped, man. <laughs> so I uh, I hope you guys enjoyed that. I know I did. Let me know. Please do. Reach out. Let me know what you thought. You know, is that like, no, keep it to the bare bones. You don't want to hear that? Or did you enjoy that? Hopes at thehighhopes.net. Of course, I'm on Twitter at thehighhopes. On Twitch, you know how it is. Twitch.tv slash thehighhopes. All the links will be down below. Make sure to check out Gamer Safer. Check out Stifflerd. Snifflerd if it's the winter time. Awesome, dude. Uh, links for that will all be down there. You know, the website, the Discord. I'm in there actively. But yeah, thank you so much, everybody. You all have a great one. This has been The Beacon. I'm High Hopes. Take care, everybody. Special announcement for anybody who's still there. Land of Hope, the Minecraft server that I had running, is closed, as some of you may know. Point is, we've reopened under the Minehouse network. We have the Season of Hope. It's a vanilla plus experience, a few quality of life tweaks, like a resource world, things of that nature. It is bedrock compatible. Uh, all the links, of course, in the description, website, server IP, and all that. Love to see you guys in there.